So I thought, okay, well, like, really, it's just because Filipinos, like, they just didn't know anything about this. Like, they just are dumb. And then I was like, wait, what is it possible that my ancestors had these really wise healing traditions that they that just, you know, like, perhaps were transmitted orally that we no longer have access to because of colonization? The Philippines was colonized by the U.S. and by Spain. So... There's a really, really bloody history there. And I started to realize that it wasn't actually my ancestors. It wasn't actually me. It's, it was the history of colonization and the removal of the forced removal of culture. Appreciate, don't appropriate. The gifts our ancestors did create. We're all in this together. And welcome to Decolonizing Wellness, the podcast, a place for people who want to engage in wellness practices with integrity. I'm your host, Jyoti, and I'm the founder of my wellness company, a yoga teacher, menstrual cycle coach, holistic wellness educator, and eternal student. Now, the wellness space is rooted in cultural appropriation, in whitewashing, in westernization, and it's completely disregarded the origins and roots of the wellness practices that it profits from. My own journey of decolonizing wellness and decolonizing my mind has been and continues to be revolutionary, and that's why I've created this podcast a safe space to explore Indigenous wellness practices with the people from the cultures that they originate from. We're going to be delving into the history and roots of the practices, how we can appreciate rather than appropriate, and how, once we know better, we can and must do better. Hello and welcome back to Decolonising Wellness, the podcast. Today I am joined by Rachel, who, in honour of her Filipina heritage, enjoys learning about the traditional healing ways of her pre-colonial ancestors. She brings her experience as a birth doula, an initiated medicine woman of the Caro healing lineage, and birthing mother to create healing spaces for all. And we're going to be delving deeper into this. What do you do when the traditional healing ways of your ancestors have been lost due to colonialism? So let's get into it. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing really well. It's so nice to be here with you this morning. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. It would be great if you could start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and your work in the wellness space. I am an initiated medicine woman of the Caro healing lineage and my background is in doula work. So my offerings today meet at the intersection of ancestral healing, reproductive wellness, earth medicine and energy um, energy medicine. So I work with all people, but I weave a lot of my experience as a birth doula 
into holding space for reproductive wellness, reclamation, and healing. Mm, amazing. And how did you come to this work? How did you, um, yeah, start to learn about kind of reproductive wellness and, and those sorts of things and come to being a doula? So when I was a really little girl, I, um, my family lived at the Satchitananda Ashram. And my mom had a home birth with my little sister. And so I don't think that I saw, I think I slept through the actual birth, but I woke up right, like right when she was born and I walked in and I saw her and it was just a really, like a moment of great mystery for me where I think probably before then, because, you know, like I was there for like the prenatal visits and I saw the way they worked together. I just saw what they were doing. I knew I, I didn't know what it was about it, but I knew I really liked it. It was just something that like, it's like the portal between one world and the other world, like the slippery way we get here. And I, you know, I became an adolescent, a teenager, a young adult, and I was like, didn't want to work with um, moms and babies or parents and babies because I was like, like, what is that about? That's not for me. And so I didn't pay attention to it for a long time. And when I was, I think, 22, I applied to grad school for a master's in fine arts and poetry writing, and I didn't get in. And I was really upset and angry that I didn't get in. And at that time, I was already with my um, my boyfriend, who now I have my husband, who I have kids with. We were living together. and he had a business, like he had a a restaurant in the area where we lived. So I didn't want to apply or go to school somewhere else. I wanted to like spend time with him and hang out with him. So I didn't get into grad school. So I was really upset. And I was like, okay, well, fuck, I didn't get in and this is my dream. And I just thought, I was like, well, I don't want to go anywhere else. What is it that I want to do? And then one day it just sort of clicked. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a doula. And so I studied and I didn't have kids then. And he worked a lot of hours. So I had a lot of time to really be on call, to go to lots of births and to support lots of families through. Because, you know, when you're a doula, you don't know when you're going to have to go in. And you also don't know how long you're going to be gone for. So it was like the perfect lifestyle for me to be like gone at a birth for 30 hours at a time. And like really being on call and deeply in service. So I worked as a birth doula and I got to go to all different kinds of births, um, like home births, stillbirth, hospital births, like births with babies who had um, like who weren't healthy. And I got to really experience and see all of the ways that life can come to be. And I ended up having, I ended up going to getting my master's in fine arts and poetry the next year, but I like was working and going to school. So it all came full circle. And then I had this really wonderful content to be able to weave into my poetry, which was my experience as a doula. So really it was actually quite perfect. And then I ended up um, having my own kids, I think maybe like six or seven years later. And, um, 
my first birth was really, really difficult. And it was the kind of thing where like my ancestral trauma and the like really came forward in it, even though like, I knew all of the things that I had to do to have a healthy birth. I like the way my body was in labor was like my the trauma of my ancestors, because I know, especially in my father's line, I carry a lot of like sexual um, and reproductive trauma from their like what they weren't able to process in their lifetimes. It really came to the front. And so I had a really hard birth and I had to figure out how to put myself back together from that experience. And through that, I ended up really relying on um, and really seeking solace and healing in like different energy medicine modalities. And that was where I ended up, um, I ended up um, offering intuitive energy work for a couple of years until I was able to become initiated into the Carol lineage, which is a really ancient healing lineage that is um, stewarded and um, held by the people in the Andes Mountains. And so now where I am, I no longer go to births, but I work with everyone um, offering healing sessions. And I also do a lot of teaching around um, womb health and womb wellness. Mm, wow, what a journey. That's quite amazing. And isn't it funny how obviously you didn't get into do your course the first year. And then when you did go, it feels like it was a much better time for you and a much, it just made sense. Um, you know, everything happens for a reason, but so often we don't, we don't realize what those reasons are and, you know, the bigger plan that the universe has for us. Um, yeah, what a great example of that. So you mentioned your ancestral trauma that came up during your first birth. Um, and when we've spoken before hitting record, we spoke about, you know, what do you do when your ancestral wellness practices um, no longer exist because of colonization or they're really difficult to find um, any information on? And I know like for me being Indian, like there is still a lot of Indian wellness practices out there. Um, however, we don't really know what's been lost because, um, you know, when India was colonized, so much of, um, well, many texts were burned and destroyed and, um, you know, they tried to cut off the finger or they cut off fingers of Ayurvedic doctors and practitioners so they couldn't take pulse tests and, and all of those sorts of things happened. Um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your heritage, your ancestral line and, and kind of what's, what's happened there through colonization. So my mother is Filipina and I come from a really large Filipino family and she came to the United States when she was in her early 20s. And my father comes from, he is like a Celtic Irish background. So, and he comes from a family where 
there's a lot of like poverty, a lot of intergenerational trauma, and a lot of people who just really didn't thrive. And so he has been a really big um, healer, in our, healer in our generational line where he has sought out lots of different healing, lots of different modalities. And so I had my mother who was our really large, she's one of seven kids with her, and they all lived nearby when I was a kid. So we had this really large Filipino family. And then I had my father who was really seeking spiritual practices and while relatively disconnected from his own because his family, his upbringing was really about just surviving. And so, we, when I was a kid, we you know, like we moved, we lived on the ashram, and that was my first, and I was really little then. So that was my first real immersion into spirituality and wellness. And so I had that, where it was like really relying on the wisdom of Indian ancestors, because that's what the ashram is about. And then I saw, and then I had that, and then I also saw my Filipino family. And I saw the way that they were, and I saw that they really didn't, they weren't really connected to like, like if they worked with medicine, they worked with Western medicine. They weren't really connected to earth-based practices or anything, um, like any of their personal ritual and healing. So like predominantly the, like the religion that they are is Catholic. And like, I wasn't raised with Catholicism. I was raised with my dad's, more with my dad's spiritual practices, but it was what I saw and it was what I understood. And I knew that the Catholicism wasn't what they originally believed, but I knew it was what they believed then. So I, you know, like we were in living at the ashram, we ended up moving back to my family's hometown after a while. And I was able to study with some really good teachers and um, learn about yoga. And I ended up being a yoga teacher with a specialty in prenatal yoga. And when I went to college, I started going, so I went to college in New York first. I started going to yoga classes there. I started like being immersed in yoga culture beyond what my, um, beyond what I had grown up with. And I, felt that it was really, um, it didn't really, like the yoga that I was just going to, I'm not saying that was all there was, but the ones that I just ended up in as a young woman, it didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel right. And I just thought it was, I was like, oh, well, this yoga just isn't authentic. And then I ended up moving um, a couple of times and I was never able to really find a place in yoga that felt like home. And as I, and I didn't really have the vocabulary, I didn't really have the understanding. The yoga studios I would go to would play like Coldplay during Shavasana. And like everyone was wearing like really expensive yoga clothes. And they were all, you know, like it was really upholding the white supremacist beauty standards. And I was like a small Filipino woman and I was like, I'm never going to measure up. My yoga poses are never going to be what they're supposed to look like. And even though I knew what the roots of yoga were, I had just like over time was really, you know, like had really 
sort of like yoga had become not really a, like the yoga that is Western yoga had become not a safe space for me to be in. Mm. So, and all the while I thought like, okay, well, if my Filipino ancestors don't have any traditions. <laughs> so I was just sort of looking around at like, why do some cultures have, um, like, why do some cultures have these really rich healing traditions like Chinese medicine, mm. um, Ayurveda, Thai folk therapy, and then some cultures don't. So I thought, okay, well, like, really, it's just because Filipinos, like, they're just, like, too, like, in my, this is my inner process at the time. This is not, yeah. I was like, well, they're just too tribal. <laughs> they just don't know. Like, they're just, you know, like, they just didn't know anything about this. Like, they just are dumb. So, like, I always carried that, like, mm. that thing, that, like, that feeling inside me, that wound of my people aren't wise enough. They didn't have the they didn't have the healing lineages. They didn't, they weren't connected to that really deep intuitive power of ways to heal and come home to the self. And after the birth of, and so like I was seeking outside traditions with that, with that inner monologue in mind of like my Filipino culture doesn't have it. It's not enough. Mm. They weren't, my ancestors that I come from aren't wise. Like they believe all this other stuff that is from outside cultures and they don't have a sense of self. And so that was my inner working monologue for like everything that I did. And then I, I, um, and like, still, I didn't really understand colonization. I didn't really understand that, like the systems of white supremacy, like I knew what they were, but I didn't have that somatic knowing and that felt sense of recognizing it in myself. Yeah. And so then I had that first birth of my, my first child and it was it like, you know, it hit me really hard and I was seeking healing. I ended up seeing an energy work practitioner and that was really what helped me like come into my own. And I was like, I want to hold healing space for others. But everything that was offered in my area was like Reiki that was really like westernized and removed from any of his cultural knowledge. Like I was starting to see like anything that I have access to was actually not in alignment with the culture that it belongs to. Yeah. And like when I, like it took me like, like my wheels were turning, my wheels were turning, but I really wasn't actually like, I didn't have anyone to tell me like, listen, listen. <laughs> so like, I was just, you know, like my, and like, so my, this is like my wheels turning over like the process of like 10 years. So it's like a very slow, very like not intentional thinking, but just gathering thoughts and holding them and like looking at beliefs and sitting with it. And I started to realize that it wasn't actually that, like, you know, Reiki is not, like Reiki that we have presented to us as Reiki in the West is no longer Reiki. The yoga that we have presented in most yoga studios is not actually yoga. And so I began to understand that there was this really deep disconnect. And then I was like, wait, what is it possible that my ancestors had these really wise healing traditions that they, that just, you know, like perhaps were transmitted orally that mm. we no longer have access to because of 
colonization, the Philippines was colonized by the U.S. and by Spain. So there's a really, really bloody history there. And I started to realize that it wasn't actually my ancestors. It wasn't actually me. It's, it was the history of colonization and the removal of the forced removal of culture. So even though like I, even though I may not actually be held in those traditions by my elders, I still can connect to my pre-colonial ancestors who held that wisdom in their bodies. And it really is one of those things where because of that, so I ended up um, studying with the Caro Paco Don Alejandro Paza and his healing lineage has been in his family for like forever, it seems like. And so it's um, to be adopted as an outsider into that healing lineage, I understand and I value the integrity of what they've been able to preserve and hold for so long mm. because of the loss of culture of my ancestors. And I really believe that through working with that medicine, it's fostered a deeper connection and reverence with my own ancestors because it gives you the tools to, you know, to really weave between worlds and understand the wisdom that is more than what we are able to see and feel here in the earth realm. Mm, absolutely. And you're so right. So many of these traditions began orally mm -hmm. and obviously some of them got written down. Some of them didn't. Some of them were able to continue to be passed down orally. Some haven't survived and, and so on. But what a huge burden for you to be carrying for so long to think that your ancestors were dumb as you put it which you know i'm sure i know is not true you know it's not true and i'm sure everyone listening would agree but of course it makes sense that that was your thought process um because yeah because because the information isn't available but like you said you can feel it inside you and i think so much of this is about what's within and what we can uncover within ourselves um so you mentioned that you have been initiated into the caro tradition and i believe that comes from south america is that correct yes yes it's from um peru peru mm -hmm. so how do you I guess, ensure that the way that you practice it is as respectful as possible and as, you know, honoring the lineage and honoring the roots and, and all of those things. Um, yeah. What are some of the ways that you're able to do that with your within your work? So I've really begun to understand that, like the depth with which I can honor and respect my own ancestors is the depth that I can respect and honor someone else's. So it comes from like a really deep, like it comes from a deep commitment to being in relationship with my own ancestors, knowing that throughout my lifetime, I, I will continue to study. I will continue to learn and retrieve my ancestral healing ways. But I also have this other gift of being held by someone else. So it comes with just knowing what it like, understanding the weight of what it is to hold a living lineage. Mm. And
and naming my teachers, working in reciprocity for the lineage and the people. I think so often in Western wellness, the people are the people that the culture, the people that the wisdom tradition comes come from are removed from the presentation. They're removed from, I mean, essentially it's whitewashing where yeah. like, like the ancestral people that belong to a wisdom tradition are no longer presented with it or connected to it and always working to honor and uplift the people of the Caro nation so that they, um, people understand where this healing lineage comes from and who stewards it because it really is a gift. I mean, the reason that the, that the lineage is still living and it's intact is because when Peru was colonized, the Caro people climbed really high into the Andes mountains, which are like so high and they lived up there and they were able to like, it was a really harsh lifestyle because it's such high elevation, mm. but they were able to live there and protect their ancestral wisdom and their ancestral traditions. And so, you know, my ancestors weren't able to do that, but I know that I and other, other Filipinos are reclaiming and understanding and studying our indigenous ways. So just knowing that the two go hand in hand and working with reciprocity, knowing that the lineage is alive, it's not a commodity, it's not for sale, it is something that's living. Mm, yes. And I think that's something we lack in our culture, our Western culture is like to reciprocate and to, yeah, to give and take. And sometimes what you give isn't as much as what you take, you know, it's it's not always an equal balance, but in the end, it will even out. In your experience of going back to the Philippines, what are some of the ways that colonization has affected um, the country and the things that you see? I know for me, having gone back to India, like I can still see the effects of colonization despite, um, you know, India gaining independence years ago. Um, you know, those that residue is very much still there and will remain, unfortunately, for a long time um, because, you know, colonization affects and permeates into all the different structures and into our minds and so on. What's your experience been of this? I mean, I think that in the times that I've gone to the Philippines, I do feel like it. Um, there's a really strong reverence there for American culture. Mm. And it was something that I didn't really understand at the time. Like when I went to the Philippines and I saw that deep, like fascination at, with like all things American culture and like American pop culture, it really sort of turned me off. I was like very, I didn't understand because I hadn't grown up the way that they had grown up. I hadn't experienced what they had experienced. I didn't understand the allure of American pop culture. And I was thinking like, we have this really rich culture that I'm like, where's the Filipino culture? Why don't you value? I, I thought like, why don't you value your own culture? Why don't you value our culture? Mm. Like, why do you value American culture as like the, like 
the thing. Mm. And it really honestly repulsed me. I felt very like icky around it and I felt very judgmental around it. But I didn't really understand what it was to be in the Philippines and to be colonized in that way, especially over the course of 500 years and how colonization is really insidious. And like, even though the Philippines may technically have its land back, the disease of colonization is like mental, emotional, and spiritual. And it really is one of those things where it, it was something that now I would begin to meet with understanding and compassion rather than seeing it as like my, rather than seeing it as my people are less than because they like American culture or they're obsessed with American culture instead of their own culture. Understanding that we come from very different, like that is my motherland, but we come from very different experiences and upbringings and our survival and understanding of the world has been so different. And seeing that as a place to come into softness rather than judgment would be a way for me to begin to heal my internal colonization. Mm. You know, because it's like if I judge them as being less than because they are seeking this thing outside of themselves, it really just perpetuates the mental cycles of colonization where it's like the the colonizer no longer even has to be present. We do it to ourselves because we're, it's so deeply ingrained in the belief system, which is really the belief system that people think they have to have to survive, you know, because it's not like a thing where it's like for fun, it's like, no, like if I am this way, my chances of survival will be higher, mm. you know? Yes, um, you just, like you said so many powerful things there, but yeah, you're so right, like the, well, through colonization, you know, it's within all of our minds and we don't even realize it. And yeah, they no longer need to be present. So, you know, we're upholding it all by ourselves without realizing it. Um, Cause yeah, they, that's, well, I guess that's just the way it's worked. And like, I see a lot of what you're saying in India as well, like definitely a lot of the well, the way they broke the country apart, really, and then both literally by like dividing it into like India and Pakistan and so on. And figuratively, um, yeah, then they no longer need to be present. Um, And these, you know, these things continue. And there's a lot of pain and trauma that I think, well, it goes unprocessed, I suppose. Um, Yeah, it's, Oh, it's a lot, isn't it? When you really think about it. And I think when you, much like you were saying, you know, this journey has took you a long time, like 10 years, you've kind of been ruminating on different thoughts and things have been coming to you and and going and so on. And it is a process, isn't it? I think it's not that we can suddenly, you know, click our fingers and decolonize our minds. Like it's entrenched in every single aspect, like our structures, our societies, the way that we think, the way that white people think, the way that everyone thinks really. Um, I guess what has helped you on your journey of decolonizing your mind and decolonizing wellness specifically as well? What, 
are there any like practical tools and tips or or things you could suggest for people who are listening i mean it's it really is so insipid the colonization present in wellness spaces because most of the time unless you are very grounded in yourself and aware of the power dynamics it's something that we don't even see and i think so many practitioners especially if you look at what we have access to and the systems of white supremacy they don't we don't have access and we don't have access to true healing that's held in integrity so when i am seeking to be held and seeking healing i look to work with if possible i work with an original carrier of the medicine or someone from the culture that it is. So I've been seeing the same acupuncturist for over 10 years. She's really amazing. And she's Chinese and she learned in China. Mm. And she always, when you visit her, she talks about her practice in China and how in China, this is the way they do it in America here. This is what we do. And I think it's really important to support and to uplift those original carriers because they are the ones who are stewarding the traditions. Or perhaps I would look for someone who really acknowledges and understands um, understands what it means to hold a lineage, who really understands and uplifts and talks about the people that the lineage comes from, or who has done a lot of work around reclaiming their own ancestry so that it you know, because we're not all going to have, we are not all going to have the privilege of working with our own ancestral traditions. We're going to have to lean into our intuition. We're going to have to work with, you know, dreams. And for me, because I work with hands-on healing with other people, I work with the medicine of the caro in my healing space. Um, but I know, and I and I talk about reclaiming my Philippine ancestry and like studying and reading books and working in dreams and working intentionally with my ancestors. And that's something that I look for in other practitioners too. So knowing that we can't all be from the culture, but that we all have room to operate and offer healing from a place of cultural integrity. And those are some things like so working with an original carrier, someone from the culture or working with someone who understands the dynamics and works in integrity with honoring and recognizing the different cultures who like someone who really understands that these ancestors, that these healing modalities are not healing modalities. They're actually the ancestral wisdom traditions of cultures that belong to people like living real people. <laughs> and so that's what I, that is what I look for. And in, it sometimes is frustrating, but when you land in the right spot, it feels just right. Mm, yes, you're so right. Um, and I think sometimes those people can be hard to find because they're not, well, in terms of on social media, the algorithm doesn't pick them up. I know like for me trying to find people for this podcast, like it's took a long time to find, you know, people from the traditions um, and from the cultures that certain practices come from. And 
And like you said, although we call them wellness practices and wellness modalities, it's actually like a lifestyle. It's a way of being. It's it's entrenched into every part of that culture, whatever it may be. Um, so again, like I, I can only speak for Ayurveda and yoga. Like it was only when I went to India to, to learn yoga that I thought, oh, like my mom's been talking about this for years. I just, she just never called it yoga. You know, it's just so entrenched into our culture. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, all those points are really important. So thank you for sharing them. I do have one more thing I want to say. That I was from, it was from an earlier question that I feel like I, I didn't think about it until later. And it was talking about um, understanding and reclaiming your own ancestry. Mm. So in the process of my personal reclamation, there have been like books that have come out on Philippine indigenous studies. There have been like, and there are starting to be more and more classes and more and more, like there's starting to be more available than there was when I was first looking. And that's like so, so good. And I just want to say that for anyone who is in the process of cultural reclamation, especially around their traditional and indigenous healing ways of their ancestors, it is okay. And it is like perfectly normal for it to be something that's in process. Like it's not something that's fixed where you just like sign up for a course and then you learn it all. But it's something where it's like, you know, you're chasing, like you're, you're, you're not chasing, but you're really allowing it to be a process of slow discovery, like an awakening of blood memory. And, you know, the more and more that's available, it's just a really beautiful, like, because more and more of us are speaking about it and more and more people are coming together, things are starting to be pieced together in a way that, that they weren't maybe 10 years ago. But allowing it to be something that's a process rather than something that is an end goal or something that is fixed. Because I know for me, the process of like the process of the loss of my culture was one that lasted over 500 years. Mm -hmm. So I can't expect it to be something that comes up or that I reclaim in a process of a two year certification. It is the process of my lifetime. It is my life's work or it is one facet of my life's work. And I hope that, you know, I bring it a little closer for my children and maybe their children. So just really allowing process to be long and slow and knowing that that might be just the way it is. And it really is just right. Mm, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think again, because of capitalism, there's such a we're all conditioned to think, oh, well, once I've done this, I'll know everything and that's it, I'm done. I can move on to the next thing. But actually, this is something, like you said, that that will take a lifetime and maybe many lifetimes, you know, if you mm -hmm. believe if you believe in rebirth, um, you know, it's not all going to be done in a in a couple of years or five years or or 10 years or so on. Um, and you're not going to get a certificate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, then there's the whole... The whole issue or conversation around certification and what that what that means you know these certifying bodies like the yoga alliance for example mm -hmm. like what what does that actually mean um because i know you said you were initiated into the Kerry tradition so what could you explain a little bit about what that looked like in terms of yeah like what do you mean by that word initiated how did that happen 
So um, for initiate an initiation is like a lot a very, very large energy transmission. So, you know, I know Yoga Alliance is like <laughs> a certifying board. Yeah, very different. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so with the initiations, you have like a proper like an energetic like you study for a while mm. and then you're offered an initiation. There's like an energetic and physical preparation that you do. And then you receive your initiation in a sacred spot in nature. And um, Maestro Alejandro will send it to you. He sent it to me. Sends it, or it is a process where they send you like an energetic transmission that you receive in your body. Where it's like, for me, it's been as powerful as giving birth. Wow. And so you're receiving this in your body and it, it, it is a learning and a knowing that is more than you like, it's more than it's not. So when you work with the Kara lineage, you're not working with it from your mind. You're working with it from a somatic knowing from your body, understanding your intuition, understanding how to hold the stones, how to do the cleansings. Um, it, is a really, really, really powerful thing and has opened up so many doorways for me and has really un- helped me understand what it means to be in service to others. So yeah, so it's really, it's a large energy tr- transmission that he sends you after studying and preparing. Is it when they feel that you're ready or is it when you feel you're ready? Is it a set time period? So, um, it is after you've studied a certain amount of information. So there are like the three different carpes. So there's like the Mune carpe, the Yache carpe, um, and others, and or there's another. And they, you study the the information, and then for me, I've had, I have felt like because I'm a mom and because I feel like it takes me longer to do things sometimes. I have waited sometimes like a year between studying and receiving the initiation. So you do it when you do it when it feels right, knowing that you don't have to rush it and you don't have to um, like you're not at a race to finish these <laughs> because they are so powerful. I mean, it's like you don't want to give birth before the baby is really ready to come. You don't receive the initiation until you really feel it's a yes. Mm. um does that make sense yeah it does and and what a great lesson because when I was getting my first one I was like oh I'm super excited for this and I didn't realize how powerful it was how transformative and powerful it was going to be and then I understood that I mean I took it seriously before but I it's like before you if before you give birth you can never know what it's like you can't understand what it's like until you under until you experience the process so like someone can tell you oh it can be like this it can be like this it can be like this but you don't know until you experience it and then from like one child to another one person to another it can be a completely different process so the initiation was just something where i knew it was going to be important but i didn't understand how encompassing it would be Mm, yeah that makes sense yeah I mean you don't know what you don't know right so there's some things you can 
you can think you'd understand but like you said until you've been through it you don't you don't really know what what it's going to feel like yeah and so before you study with him like he'll maestro Alejandro will read your cocoa leaves to see if it's like the right path to work together then he'll teach and then at different times he'll offer the initiations Mm, wow that sounds incredible Oh, it's been so great to speak to you, Rachel. Thank you so much for sharing so honestly and and beautifully with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been such a lovely way to spend my morning. And how can um, the listeners connect with you and learn more about you? Where can they find you? So I offer one-on-one healing sessions, mentorship workshops, and a membership community for um, their remembrance of earth-based medicine ways and they can find me on instagram at the medicine path and at www.themedicinepath.net thank you and i will pop all of that in the show notes as well so people can get to it easily oh thank you so much for sharing and i hope to speak to you soon Yeah, I will talk soon and um, looking forward to seeing all of this come into life and the other um, interviews that you do. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed the episode and learned as much as I did. I would love to hear your top takeaways, your aha moments or any thoughts and reflections. You can message me on Instagram at mywellnesscompany. You can email me hello at mywellnesscompany.co.uk or you can leave me a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash Jothi Chadda. I really would love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could make sure you're subscribed and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, friends, stay curious keep asking questions, and keep taking up space. Looking at the roots on trees, not just eating fruit and taking the seeds. Appreciate, don't appropriate, the gifts our ancestors did create. We're all in this together to understand.